Hello and welcome to the Muppets Mayhem Backstage Pass, the unofficial companion podcast to the Muppets Mayhem presented by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we tour through every episode of the Muppets Mayhem to uncover behind-the-scenes stories, Easter eggs, and more with the talented cast and crew who helped put the series together. I'm your host, dedicated Mayhead Joe Hennis. Today, we're talking about Track 10, We Will Rock You, in which we get the band back together and they put on a show at the Hollywood Bowl again. For our finale, we are excited to welcome two return guests and one special first-time guest. First up, he's co-creator and executive producer of The Muppets Mayhem. Please welcome Jeff Yorks back to the podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I didn't need to wave, I suppose. This is an audio podcast, but thank you. I'm glad to you know, be here. It was here. polite. I'm glad that you did. That was no, for me. That was for me noted, and no one else. Noted that you waved. I was waving to Dave. <laughs> uh next he's another co-creator and executive producer as well as the performer beneath and behind dr teeth please welcome bill beretta back to the podcast hey bill hi i i i guess i need to bow sorry <laughs> yes you did <laughs> so courteous y'all are so polite Last, but certainly not least, a Muppet performer who originated and has continued to perform Zoot since 1975. It's the one and only Dave Goals. Hey, Dave. Hey, Joe. Thank you for welcoming me to be there today. I, <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, oh, no. I'm looking forward to oh, no. questions. Oh, oh no. no. We have he's such got a audio bad problems. connection. Oh. Technical issues happen. Oh, geez. Well, Dave, we'll, we'll try you, to power can, through, I guess. Can you plug, unplug and plug in again, Dave? <laughs> Dave? Uh, I'm unplugged not, Dave. I'm not plugged in. I'm, I'm running on batteries. Oh. Right. It's very uh, Dave stops. <laughs> a lot of comedy going on. It's very digit of you, Dave. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, deep cut. cut. Deep cut. Pull, pulled that one out of the past. All right. Oh, uh, digit. Digit. Why yeah, here's my first question. Why isn't digit on the show? You know, I wish. I wish I could have another shot at him. We we didn't get that whole show working, and and I didn't quite land on Digit, but I had a really strong idea for him, as a guy. What was, who, what was the idea? Yeah, the idea was he's a guy who was a, a techno music guy, and he decided to modify himself. So he got out the soldering iron, <laughs> put a switch panel on his chest, and started rewiring his own self and. I, it was such a great idea. It was so much fun. And we just, you know, it's one of those things that fell by the wayside. All right. Well, if Muppets Mayhem gets a second season, uh, Jeff and Bill, you know what to do, right? Soundcheck. He's Did there. Runs yeah, he runs a mix board. Yeah. 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 He's the amp. The Mayhem he's needs the amp. an amp. <laughs> Basically, we do need another character with eyeballs. So that would help, even though it's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Dave, how does it feel uh, giving Zoot such a huge spotlight? This is probably his biggest role in his entire uh, career with the Muppets. Yeah, I I guess I could give you a little backstory if I haven't before. I don't think I have. Hey, but go for it. In the very beginning, we started out the Electric Mayhem and did the Muppet Show. Uh, we, we started them before the Muppet Show, but we got on the Muppet Show. The Mayhem was uh, great. Jerry Nelson was Floyd. He was like a beat generation guy, a jazz fan, a musician. He was just Floyd and he could do that character perfectly. I was on the other hand, 27. I was not any of those things. and I did not know how to do Zoot. So I used to give away my lines to Floyd. We'd, we'd have cold reads every Sunday morning with the guest. 
and I would go over to Jerry and I'd say, can you, can you do this line and this line? And, and he would take them and Jim didn't mind, you know? And so I basically, I didn't do anything with zoo cause I just didn't know what to do. And then we did the Muppet movie. And after the premiere in London at the party, this little guy came up to me and he said, Hey, I, 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 tell me you're the guy who does Zoot. I love Zoot. I've known so many sax players just like him. He's fantastic. You really nailed it. I'm Sammy Kahn. Now, Sammy Kahn, wow. for your listeners who don't know, wrote like half of the hits of the mid-century. And uh, he wrote things for Frank Sinatra and all the mm. big greats. So this was an amazing moment. And uh, I thought, well, whatever. I guess by not doing anything, I must be doing something right. They come on to something. I haven't done anything ever since then. It's been like 46 <laughs> years or something. And uh, so, but, but with this particular show, we had so much scrutiny of these guys because they're the only characters that we're doing on the shows that I thought I'd try to add, I'd try to deepen him in some way. And I did, my choice was to make him surreal. So that wasn't part of the writing on the show. It started when I got there. So you don't see a lot of it, but... You know, the dude is uh, like a Magritte painting. He's he's in another planet. He's not out of it. He's just in another place. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's part of the character's history a bit as well. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of things like Muppets in Manhattan, where, you know, he's he's sleepy, but he kind of wakes up and they, you know, they're telling him like, like nobody's landed yet, you know, or like he's he's kind of not tethered to uh to this planet. Yeah, well, well, the reason I chose that was it's consistent with what we've done in the past, but yeah. it could go to other places. You know, mm-hmm. he, he could be running a vacuum cleaner in the living room, and uh, but there's no vacuum cleaner, but we hear the sound. <laughs> sure. You know? So that that most of that stuff didn't get in the series because it it was a very complicated series to to write for, and so it was uh, hard to make adjustments for that. But that's the idea that I had with him. Yeah, I, I love the idea that he um, that he and the audience are aware of his surrealism or that he is surreal. I don't think the people around him <laughs> <laughs> see what's going on, but I think the audience and Zoot, in a sense, are one mind. That's what I loved, is that they're, they're let in, in, in on his surreal mind and world, you know? So yeah, we never call attention. Used to it. Yeah, nobody talks to Jimmy Shoe, right? Or nobody uh, thinks about the fact that his shoe is floating on the couch or, or looks at it and calls attention to it. That's just what's happening. And we're lucky enough to be a part of it, you know. Uh, Dave, is it strange for you to show up on a Muppet set and not have Gonzo on your arm? No, no, because I've done lots of shows without Gonzo. Um, it's strange to have only one character. Mm. You know, a lot more trailer time. <laughs> a lot less lines a lot less lines especially with zoot not right. much not much to say <laughs> yeah very easy the weird thing was it wasn't your trailer and... <laughs> huh it wasn't your trailer that you... trailer time you would just go down to people's trailer <laughs> just found a trailer oh yeah. dave <laughs> <laughs> So in the series, we get uh, a solid backstory for Dr. Teeth. We get a good amount uh, for Animal and Floyd, even a little bit of Janice. We don't really find anything out about Zoot before uh, joining the the Mayhem. Um, I know that there's probably some stuff that might be saved for a potential season two. But Dave, do you have uh, like a, a backstory in your head, like your own headcanon of, of where Zoot comes from? No. 
<laughs> nodding as he says that. that um, I, you for, know, for, I like backstories, but I, I'm just, I've always been clueless about Zoot. All I know is that he he lives in a flophouse hotel, like a downtown hotel where you pay by by the month for a little room with a bed and a little a little bedside table and a chair. That's all he has. That's we all have I some. know about it. Yeah, we we, we, have, we came up with stuff, but well, yeah, we're saving it. But go ahead, Jeff. Oh no, we we had a a bunch of options, of things, different ideas away. that we Don't like. We're not going to give away. Um, yeah, but it just felt silly to do a show that took place now and spent half of it in their past. Um, give a little bit, you know, and give and yeah. like Janice, for example, tease a little more. But you know, all of them obviously came from somewhere, and we definitely thought about all of it. Yeah. This show was uh, pretty different from most other Muppet shows, uh, mainly in that it's more of a narrative sitcom, uh, which you did. I know you did in the 2015 uh, Muppet series, mm -hmm. but not really aside from that. Um, Dave, for you as a performer, uh, did you have any unique challenges to Muppets Mayhem that you didn't have in those other Muppet projects? Yeah, my foot hurt. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what happened to your foot? Uh, just my right foot hurt a lot. Oh, it's a whole too. thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> That's another yeah, podcast. You know, so people aren't interested in that, but but it hurt, and that made it harder. Oh, Jesus! I'm so uh, sorry. Can I? I'm I'm just. Can I say something? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I don't know. To in my mind, I guess I didn't think of it as a situation comedy approach. Oh, yeah. I I, I like think of gestures. it as a. I like your gesture. Thank you. Thank you. Clarifying and elucidating. I wish people could see what you're. So I didn't think of it as a situation comedy. Uh, I thought of it more as a, and I think when we were writing too, we thought of it as a big, long film, yeah, right? A, a big, long movie. Um, and I think a challenge was because we're what's called block shooting, uh, where we're shooting several episodes at the same time. I think it was difficult for some people to track where you are, you know, in, in this time right so if i'm doing i'm doing a scene from episode three i'm supposed to feel a certain way because i just came after episode two we we approached the writing as a big long film um and that it wasn't necessarily situation comedy uh as a matter of fact i remember saying to adam um let's think of this as a you know a goldberg movie how would you write a goldberg movie you you wouldn't have the same setups and immediate jokes and you know it'd be a little different right you 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 kind of approach it in a different way and so, so we were Adam like a child then a little bit yeah but yeah. it was something that I think we also had to prove to uh the powers that be just like look we don't want to explain everything right up front yeah we do want to like piece this out and take our time learning and meeting these characters yeah um, there's we didn't want to set everything up and then pay everything off at the end you know, we were trying to find ways of, like Jeff just said, letting but, it play out over time. But yeah, so, you know, in the block shooting aspect is an interesting thing that I think was tough to grasp where, yeah, you're shooting different episodes at once and it's not in order. It's not one, two, three. Sometimes mm -hmm. it was one, two, and then part of seven. And then we'll do six and eight together and nine and 10, you know, and I, I can't even imagine as a performer, as an actor, what it was like like okay where where am i okay Nora, Nora was here and right and i'm i'm coming from right it's not even just whole episodes it's scenes from parts of episodes here and 
now because we're in the same location. Well, I can clarify that for you, um, Jeff. I didn't know what the hell I was doing all the time. <laughs> no idea. None of us did. Other, other that helps. Performers, other puppeteers were the same way. We all were like just trusting Bill. It's very <laughs> mayhem. Yeah. But that works for Zoot. Because Zoot doesn't work great for Zoot. No with that. But you're right. I mean, you guys were so incredibly lucky, as were we, to have Bill there to just, yeah. Yeah, just for, to prepare for this, I watched the uh, episode 10 a couple of times. And I and I, several times I went, oh, that was part of this episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Right. Yep. You know, because yeah. it's yeah. so disorienting to block shoot. There were a lot of conversations with our human actors, with the Muppet performers, just about, you know, wait, did I already do that? You know, did we already have that emotional thing happen? Um, so, yeah, it was challenging, certainly that way. It's very difficult but, when there are arcs. But it also, you know, that's the way we can make this show is that right. we needed to be efficient as far as scheduling and using our sets and reusing our sets, you know, so. Yeah, the hell with um, the talent, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> just going to, they just have to say the words and. You You're know, all puppets along. to us. Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, Dave, as the only original Muppet Show performer on set, uh, how often did the cast and crew lean on you for like information about the bands or about what? you know so and so would have done with this character and thing like that um just to kind of maintain the legacy no they're all arrogant then nobody asked me anything <laughs> but you know what what i do appreciate about this show was that they went back to source dr teeth is inventing his fantabulous language uh animal is oh it's got a very limited vocabulary those things have drifted off over the years right. and mm -hmm. it, it happens because of working in a big company where we work with a lot of people who don't know about the history of the characters. So, you know, having, and also finding a character for lips because he's, he's always been, he's been worse than Zoot in a way it's like we've, we've never really spent enough time on them to figure out who lips is. And uh, so Peter came in with an idea and that turned out to be, you know, his mumbling character. Um, Janice is interesting because she's, she's pretty much back to model, but, different in the sense that she's more sympathetic now yeah. you know she was, she was originally a send-up of a surfer girl a valley girl and uh or a hybrid of those two and now she has a sort of alternative consciousness kind of sweetness about her which i really like and, and you know i don't know i guess that's a function of the writing as well as what david rudman is doing with her yeah we wanted to give her the kind of compassionate kind of soul you know somebody who wants to help everybody and when, yeah. back when Matt started doing uh, Floyd, I coached him quite a bit. I would I would just uh, volunteer advice, which was generally along the lines of put more energy into it. You know, you've got to really push those words out. Um, mm. Because I was standing next to Jerry for all the years that he did Floyd, and there was a lot of energy that he put into it. And at first, Matt wasn't putting that energy in, and now he's got it. You know? So they don't need you anymore, is what you're saying. Like they, they actually, got it down no, pat. Yeah. No, no. I actually, no. talk about energy thing. Uh, when I first started doing Dr. Teeth, Dave uh, had said to me, you know, when I used to watch Jim do him, he would kind of grit his teeth and do this kind of smile, you know? And, oh, and, he, and, yeah. He smiled right? so wide that it looked painful. He would, that was his <laughs> way of getting into teeth, you know? <laughs> and, and so I started doing that and it really helped me a lot, you know? Uh, yeah, it was, and it was also again a lot of emphasis, a lot of energy from Jim. I mean, to see this 
really thin, tall guy in the recording studio singing his teeth. He put his whole body into it. You know, mm. this, it was like a willow tree that was trying to make us sound like a gorilla. <laughs> it was really something to see, but Jim committed. Mm. Wow, that's fantastic. I can, I can picture, I can picture that. Hmm. Nice. Can you? Can you? Let's uh, jump into this episode, episode 10. Uh, our cold open, uh, where we see Nora in the bands, they're singing rock and roll all night. That's the song we heard them singing in the pilot episode. Uh, that's a little bit of a callback, but Nora still thinks the lyrics are and part of every day and not party every day. Uh, the band gives her this cold stare. Janice feels bad for her. That was a funny line. Uh, and Lips uh, settles the arguments by definitively telling everyone what the lyrics are in his signature style. So uh, eloquent. Very cute. Yes. Uh, but of course, this is not a real uh, cold open because uh, we left in the previous episode with the band all split up. So this is kind of, I guess, a little bit out of continuity or a little bit in the past or the future. Right. I don't know how you... Uh, did you just write like a whole bunch of cold opens and then just... You decided to stick one on the front of this episode, even though it didn't fit with the the narrative of the story where we're at at this point. We Ooh, definitely re- we rearranged. Aggressive, that. little anger there coming from Joe. Whoa, we, uh, do, we definitely rearranged Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> but we like the idea. I mean, they, they don't have their van, and that's something we've had consistently. So, how do we do the van without story wise having the van? And so then we came up with the idea that it's. A, it's Zoot remembering, and he's remembering a VHS tape somehow. That seemed to kind of work a little bit, I think, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I think he was, it was, we just went with the, the a false start. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that Zoot's in control of run, starting this episode, mm-hmm. and it's just completely off. Yeah. And it's weird, he's remembering something we have not seen, Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, Again, but, the surreal side of Zoot. Totally. Know, for the audience. I, I like the VHS uh, aspect of it. That's that is kind of how I remember things as well. You know, with that little <laughs> bit of stat, the the bad tracking. Yeah, we want to do the recap. You know, um, yeah, because it really does feel like a part two. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah. We had to have a, the recap. Right, we, right. We we've um, talked before about cliffhangers, but this this previous episode really did end on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Got to see how get the band back together. Up. Can yeah. I get the band back together? Yeah. Uh, because uh, when we last left off, Nora and Moog uh, agreed that that's what they're going to do. Um, so they start with Floyd, who is now a successful jingle writer. Uh, <laughs> we we meet Jenny, his uh, new assistant, played by Kristen Shaw, another friend of the Muppets. So uh, great. She was uh, in the 2011 Muppet movie with uh, Animal. She was uh, his uh, anger management co- coach. Right. Uh, she also appeared on a TV show called At Midnight with Fozzie Bear. I don't know if you oh. knew that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this this scene is hysterical with them shouting across that comically long table about Utz pretzels. They're just shouting Utz. I thought that was hysterical. Is that all on the page, or was that Kristen Shaw coming in and being? Well, funny? when when they were rehearsing, she wasn't at the other end of the table. Uh, oh. It was it was her in closer proximity, and uh, I had said to our director, I said, and 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 Kristen was there too. I said, you guys, how would you feel if you were like further apart? You know, what would happen? And then they started to play around and then all kinds of things started to kind of happen. In addition to the great, I think, scene that's there. But then they started to play because all that (laughs) started to feed in, you know, to to how uh, they were communicating. 
lastly, you know, the third rewrite is in the editing room. And so we just found, I was like, right. if we repeat it, we, because we had all these different takes, I'm like, let's just throw one more exchange back and forth. <laughs> and I always wanted one more, one more exchange, but it just made the confusion funny. Yeah. The uh, the jingles that he comes up with, that Floyd comes up with in this are also terrific. Who writes those? I, I wrote those. Oh, Jeff. Great job. Uh, thank well you. I have a second career as a jinglist. Uh, yeah, all <laughs> Floyd's jingles are uh, York specials. And we had one that was way too meta, but it was for Disney Plus and something <laughs> like, if, but if you already have it, you know, you, you should watch us. But if you already have it, you're already watching it. I don't remember what it was. Now I've just betrayed my uh, bragging. I'm a terrible jinglist. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you, still, um, you still get the medal. Like those those jingles are catchy. And to see Floyd come up with them off the top of his head. So uh -huh impulsively i think makes them hit even harder that he could just mm. cool. like spew out a song about bennigan's even yeah. though they closed in 2008 um yeah. i'll tell you another little easter egg is that logo um i had worked on a little bit but uh it was uh if you see their music notes and the, the last three notes of the muppets mayhem theme oh that's clever yeah. i wrote to our clever. composer mick and i was like can you just give me those like the the sheet music let me uh, <laughs> i'll incorporate it into the logo that's good. Yeah. I never would have noticed that. Yeah. And and the first jingle, of course, Jeff wrote too. The soup. The soup. Oh, the soup song. Yeah. Soup to do. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Thanks. It's a jingle for soup. Thanks. Uh yeah. So uh Nora and, and Moog try unsuccessfully to convince Floyd to rejoin the band, but he is too busy. He is preoccupied thinking about jingles. He can't yeah. do it. Uh uh, Dave, were you on set for any of this or were you in your trailer waiting for Zoot to be called? Not his trailer. Yeah, great. Someone's trailer. Well, you know, we shot this at uh, on the Queen Mary. So this this room is actually inside of the Queen Mary down in Long oh, Beach. Really? Yeah. yeah, because we also we also shot the exterior of Dr. Teeth and Penny on the Queen Mary. So we used it. And also, yeah, when they're entering and then also that beautiful shot where you actually see Long Beach in the background of them out on the deck. Uh, that's also that's all Queen Mary. So Dave didn't actually have to be there that day. It was only Penny, Teeth, and Floyd. Yeah, you could have told me I wouldn't have stayed in my <laughs> I know, I forgot. <laughs> forgot. But thank you for doing craft services that day. It was very, very generous. Of you. It was pretty good. It was all vegan. <laughs> in your headcanon then, Bill, is is Floyd actually on the boat that Dr. Teeth is on? Were they just like a few no, feet no. apart from each other the whole no, time no, because they we, knew it? No, no, we established he's in a building. Okay, right, that's he's fair. yeah. That's true. When you see yeah. the establishing shot, he's in his own building. We just have is to the building it. on the Queen Mary? I don't know what the Queen Mary looks like. I don't know how big yes. that boat is. What is yes, happening? It's on, yes, it's on the Queen Mary. Yeah, great. It used uh, to be. It used to be a very big ship. Uh, smaller now. Oh they yeah, they reduced the size a little bit. <laughs> Part of it sank. Is it eroding from the outside in? <laughs> uh. So uh, Nora and Moog go to Janice's commune. Uh, all of her followers from the digital world are now her followers in the real world. It got very yes. culty very quickly. Um, they refer to themselves as the Fersherlians. Uh, yes. Nora and Moog asked to see Janice, but one of the Fersherlians says that the spirit mother is not here. Uh, even though they can see her just a few feet away, that is just her organic skin shell. Because one very special point out one very special for Shirleyan. Yes, we should point out that uh for Shirley, that main for Shirley is Hannah Friedman, who's one of oh. our writers, 
who yep. is the composer okay. of uh, Rock On, the uh, main title theme song. Um, she desperately wanted to be a for Shirley, so we made her the for Shirley, and she's. Great. I love that because I I actually took note of this. There's so many great celebrity cameos in this thing, yeah. and I'm thinking, man, that person has a lot of lines. Like, don't <laughs> seem to be a celebrity. Like, did someone Yet. drop out last minute? Yet, right? She's uh, a star in our great. world, so. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm all for giving writers and, and crew and, and all that. More I think she's not credited because of SAG rules. I think uh, there was mm. some sort of thing because she's a writer and possibly a producer. There was some sort of thing that she's not credited. I don't believe. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it's a cameo. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's a special cameo just for us, yeah. for people who are listening to this podcast. Yep. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Janice is not responding, so they they give up on that and they go to visit Zoot at his uh, museum gallery uh, where his Instagram photos are on display. Uh, it's the Mallory Gallery from the Great Muppet Caper. That's a great Easter egg. Love it. That's a good one. Jeff, you look very proud of yourself. I assume that's one of your I It had to be. I mean, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was never a doubt in my mind. Uh, that's exactly what it had to be. It's the Mallory Gallery East, I want to say, or West. Right. Uh, that was the intention. Um yeah, the other little Easter egg in there is that uh, the two uh, humans that he runs into, um, they're named uh, Jackson Cannery and Annie Waits after uh, Ben Folt's songs. Uh, I'm a big oh. Ben Folt fan, so we had to name them. So that's what they're named. Hey, terrific. <laughs> anyway. Uh, th- those folks, by the way, are Arden Mirren from Mad TV and Nico Santos from Superstore. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's right. He's in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> And I uh, think Zoot was also there. Uh, Zoot was in, in Guardians of the Galaxy? Wow. No, no, in, in this scene. You know, he could have been in Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. He, <laughs> he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. You were the one, of, one of the main ones. Yeah. He's in that one of the Guardians. costume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, what do, you, do you have any uh, memories of shooting in this location, Dave? Any interesting stories about being there in your, in your own gallery? Well, it's a place called Descanso Gardens up in, um, I'm not exactly sure. Something that, uh, it's like Glendale or something, isn't it? It's between Glendale and uh, Pasadena. Yeah, and there's another town up there. I can't think of the name of it. I'm, I'm being told it's La Canada. La Canada. La Canada. La Canada. La Canada. La Canada. Oh, excuse yeah, me. I've only seen it written down. Yeah. And interestingly enough, it's a place that I heard about my whole life because I grew up in Burbank. But I never had gotten there until now. So this was. Oh, way, wow. Really? Finishing Seriously? my life when completing something. Wow. You had never. Oh, well, that's, a, that's interesting. Have you been back since? since? No, I don't need to. Oh, yeah. Check. Bucket I'm list. I'm complete now. But we actually <laughs> shot just a little little tidbit. We shot the For Sherlians and Zoot's Gallery, both at the Sconso Garden. Oh, oh great. Yeah. So you only had two locations with this whole thing. You had the boat and you had the gardens and that's it. Oh, running uh, back and forth. It was interesting. And couple... recording at the same time in Burbank. So it was a, quite a All day. right. <laughs> uh, fun fact. Um, I think a couple of the pictures, Zoot's pictures are mine in there. And then there's a VFX shot uh, that is uh, not particularly obvious. Bill, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you're going to talk about the... Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, the, that's uh, my favorite photo, by the way. Moog's, uh, um, yeah. Nostril. Moog's nostril. nostril. Yeah. Um, it was very important that it be sold. So uh, VFX oh. <laughs> had to put in a red sticker. There's a little red circle sticker <laughs> that denotes that it was sold. Um, Amazing. Yeah. 
for yeah. ten thousand yeah. dollars. Very important yeah. details. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I got to say, the gallery pictures there were done by our art department. I think it was you can correct me, Bill. Was it Disney, Denise that did Denise? those? Yes, Denise and David. Yeah. They went out and they shot these pictures, and then they made four foot square enlargements of them, and they're just beautiful. They're beautiful, yeah. beautiful pictures. And, and in fact, I got one of them. Um, I, I she she had a two foot square one printed for me. Oh, nice! But I've got pictures everywhere, and I don't have a place for it now. But I I do want to get it up because it's a picture of a part of a lawn chair, a fifties <laughs> metal green pale mint green lawn chair, and it's just so beautiful, and it's so perfect for Zoot. I mean that that's what that what's what make a, makes a production really satisfying. That when you when you get all these people on the crew who are completely in sync and invested, yep, yeah, and you get work like that to to sort of support the reality it's incredible yeah you know not i mean I, obviously denise and david and uh don Deers and then jane bob um, west yeah bob west uh, jane man but then also the, our lead man the, the, the i just want to mention that too because i don't know if people know what a lead man is uh but but they they kind of set they make sure that things look like if you know it's uh from 70 years ago they make sure that the props and the things look like they're supposed to be, that they've been there for a while or they're brand new or, you know, it's all about defining that. And, and uh, I think he may have had a big part with those photos as well, Dave, same mm -hmm. as Ron, Ron Shulin. Um, but they just did a great job with the shack and, you know, our set I, I design, I thought was just amazing. Yeah. It's it an amazing job. Yeah. These photos uh, they're almost too good, I hate to say, because like Nora walks in and she's like, I can't believe that people are buying this stuff for $10,000. And then you see mm. the pictures and you're like, they're really good. Like, well, I, I, uh, let's yeah. just let's just take a moment there. Yeah, uh, yeah. That happens. Sometimes yeah. we overlook things that are intrinsically beautiful, you know, because they're ordinary. You know, you just look at some random shot of a guy's nostril but it expresses something about his character. That's a bad example. <laughs> no, but, but you still, know what I mean? It, yeah. I mean, I think there's just, there's just like, for example, uh, I have, I have a plastic bottle. I, I, I have I, my soap dispenser in, in our bathroom at my sink. Yeah. It's a plastic soft soap dispenser from when we moved in, in 1994. So it's whatever that is, like 29 years old. It's the original container that, it was on the shelf in the store and I peeled the label off of it. I thought I'm keeping this because it's beautiful. It's it's it, it won't break when you drop it. It's made of plastic <laughs> and it's squishy and flexible. It, it, when you touch it, it's soft. Oh my God. So that's the kind of thing that these photos represent just common everyday things that are absolutely wonderful. Hmm. I, I just want to point out, Dave, I think you've mentioned that soap bottle in every interview I've ever done with you. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> it's come up in conversation really? like four or five times. I, hey, I, I don't that. want you to stop. I don't. I'm not. No, I, you know that. what? I apologize. I I know no. I did the Fraggle gaggle, the original creative meeting for for the new Fraggle Rock. I know I I brought it down and showed it to everybody on the Zoom call, but uh, <laughs> but I didn't know yeah. I'd gone into that with you. I'm really sorry. Oh no no! no, no I'm, Dave, I'm grateful. It's a running gag Dave, now. Dave, remember when you threw to me that surprise party and you brought it there? <laughs> i love my bottle look i've i'm it's just such a it means so much to me the one of all the bottles on that shelf in that store that day yeah. 
That was it's a... the only one that has been treasured, I, I would guess. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. because I can see the beauty in life. I just like that all of a sudden it just you went with a, I have this soap bottle. <laughs> that just came yeah. out of nowhere. What? Yeah. What's happening? Huh. I think everyone's got that soap bottle, right? Like everyone's got that no. thing. Well, no. like, like look, that. A hundred years ago, that would have been an absolute family heirloom. Just any old, you know, water bottle. Just a bottle, you know, a bottle of Evian. Just a plastic bottle. It would yeah. become a family heirloom. They would say, look at this. You can see right through it. It holds things. It's watertight. No. But it, it, look, I'm dropping it. It doesn't break. No. People would have just, it blew their, it would have blown their minds. But that's that movie, so. the, the Gods Must Be Crazy. That's, that's like oh, the, the whole Coke thing bottle that, that falls in the sky. Yeah. The soap bottle that fell in, Dave, in Dave's uh, bathroom. <laughs> we take things for granted. Not zoot. Not, not zoot. zoots. We do not, not take zoot for granted. I'll say this. Bill and I spent a, a, a lot of time uh, working on uh, Zoot's Polaroids, and it is an art form to take these pictures that we had um, and to just try to Zootify them, you know? Yeah. Just like here. Because they do they stand on their own. They're kind of cool, you know? They do. Mm -hmm. They are. And there was yeah. always, yeah, they're and not the perfectly, there's no perfect composition. It's nope. his thing it's you know Focusing something them. you would never think is interesting to the normal person's eye yep. you go in on that yeah exactly. <laughs> but like the interesting yeah. thing is off on the side you know yeah um, yeah. yeah uh cool. but yes mm. zoot is a little untethered from reality he he doesn't even register that nora and moog are there to convince him to rejoin the band um but you know who does recognize that they're there it's jimmy the shoe and jimmy, jimmy pops shoe. back up Let's talk about Jimmy. Where did Jimmy come from? Can we can we just say it's not Jimmy the shoe? Mm. It's not Jimmy. It's just it's Jimmy just, shoe, right? Like yeah, Jimmy yeah, shoe, or even just Jimmy. Yeah, just Jimmy. what he is is he's Zoot's he's Zoot's uh, shaman. It's where Zoot gets his shoeman. Shoeman. He answers yeah. the questions. Yeah. So that's all. That's he's just that. Good. That's what he sir does for Zoot. And how did he come about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just yes, showed up do. on set one day. Yes, you do. He just showed up on set. I, right there. I'm I sorry. never saw him before. <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to tell? No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't think we you should don't talk, want to talk about. about it. Oh, you don't want to reveal? Oh, no, I don't think this. He's just Zoot's shaman. All right. And I mean, maybe he's always been there. I don't know. I, you know what, I, I never saw Jimmy before this series, but he could have been there. I, I mean, Zoot has to wear something on his feet. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to, but he usually does, I assume. He could have been getting advice all these years. I don't know. All right. Well, that's that, I guess. Uh, so uh, we check in with Dr. Teeth and Penny. Uh, they are about to get on the Queen Mary, uh, although in the script, it's the Jalapeno Princess, mm. which is pretty mm -hmm. cute. Um, and and you, mm. this was filmed really, you said you, you filmed this at the Queen Mary, which is, I, 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 have, yeah. have the Muppets ever filmed there before? I feel like every show's been there except for the Muppets. Dave, have you ever done anything there? On the Queen Mary? No. No, I don't think we've ever done something yeah. in my time, at least. It was a matter of time before the Muppets get there, yeah. Yeah, and it was a beautiful day. It was great actually to shoot there. The people were great. Uh, it was a yeah, it was a great place to shoot. Great spot. Great being out on the deck. 
being in that beautiful room like we talked we just mentioned mm -hmm. for floyd beautiful inside the history in there is unbelievable i remember when we were writing it we were trying to figure out it's been like i spent a great deal of time trying to figure out what that macaroni tube is called that animal pops his head out of <laughs> um, right. um, and then it was just like it's some term I, I lost it but uh it was like it's even like it's too even if we put it in the script no one will understand it yeah you is it know? not like, just a, no like one... a porthole i just assume it was like a porthole it's not no no, no. Like i didn't look it up uh, it, yeah, it's a vent of some kind. It has some. So it's called like that. Uh, yeah, like something with a C or something like that. But it was just like this is going to help no one to call. You, you can tell that none of us are them. sailors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's like, and so we were in meetings, and like it's that macaroni thing that you could pop your head out of in a cartoon. I love the uh, sound effect of animals' nails as he slid down that thing. Yep, it just makes my spine curl up like a shrimp but it's <laughs> it's good that was, a, that was a late thing that was a sound mix we were just like and hey, we need that sound you know yeah. um a box whoa yep it's not even a box. box why would you even call it a box well a dorid box or a dorid vent they call it wow you know no one should claim that this podcast is not educational everyone learned something today. Right? we're all walking away with a little bit of information yeah about that's about a great ships. point, Joe. It's a right. really good yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We're learning things. We are. Uh, uh, Lips is busy. He's giving a TED talk about how to save the world. Uh, mm -hmm. I I'm curious, Jeff did did you actually have a plan for like what Lips's plan to save the world was, or was it just he's just going into action to save the world? Yeah, the latter. Um, it was. It was just. It was that vague. Yeah, I mean, we we had other concepts, but when we hit upon TED Talk, literally talking, uh, that just um, that fit all too well. Um, but no, uh, to describe how he was going to save the world would betray uh, the yeah. true mission. Which, That's which, fair. It's on the audience. How are you going to save it? What are you getting from Lips yeah. right now? Um, and how are you going to make a difference in this world? Sure. I believe this is the third time that a Muppet has given the TED Talk. Um, is that true? Scooter does it in uh, in the 2011 Muppet movie, and Kermit. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, sorry. Scooter did it in real life. I'm mistaken. Scooter did it in real life, and I think Kermit right. did one in real life about uh, about something oh, about that's puppetry. Right. Did do one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're the first to do it in fake life. So Scooter, <laughs> right? Yeah, Scooter, so. Scooter. I believe is he's working at Google and going to a TED talk in the 2011 Muppet movie. That's what I was thinking of. So it's not oh, quite oh, the same, but he does. Yeah, Scooter and and Kermit have both given TED talks in real life, and now Lips, hmm. uh, which uh, I feel like this is not another trend. This is like like Danny Trejo is going to be in every Muppet movie, and uh, every Muppet project will have a new Muppet giving a new TED talk. <laughs> That's our new Muppet idea. Is that Ted? Yeah, is we Ted. Ted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who is Ted? Let's find out at his talk. Why is Ted? Yeah. <laughs> uh so uh nora and uh moog and, and hannah are all trying to figure out what to do because the band won't get back together they deliver the news to animal so he upends hannah's purse grabs her car keys tells her to drive animal's gonna do the hard work he's gonna bring everyone back together so we see him crash through floyd's ceiling to tell him that uh nora is gone uh zooms into lips's ted talk he bursts through janice's yoga tent uh, oh, he... oh, oh, uh, oh yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, go sorry, ahead. I don't know, it just popped in my head. But, you know, there we, there are so many special effects shots in this show uh, that just look seamless and nobody would ever think about them. 
it, there's there are literally there are so many. I mean, tons. Yeah, the, the shot where animals dumping the bag. Yeah, was a great one. If you notice, there's no way all that stuff could probably be in that bag, because uh, he just keeps going. <laughs> so yeah. that that's a special effects shot. That's with people pouring stuff into the top of the bag as he's shaking people in green around. We call it a reverse Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what. There's just right. all I, kinds of I stuff didn't like even that. Occur to me. If he goes, it looks like animal. Mm. Yeah, he just picks up the bag and he turns it on and things fall out. Didn't even occur to me that. Yeah, but movie this one, uh, Nora's car. Nora's car driving off is not real. You know what's car, weird about right. that? That's the next one. It didn't occur to me either. Oh. Which is usually I'm always aware of how we how things have to be have to have been shot, but I was yeah. so immersed in this episode I, that I just didn't even think about any of that. Hmm. And, and I think the reason I love this episode was that it paid off all of the layers that this series has. And that was a Jim thing. And he never pontificated about it, but he loved layers. He liked layers in depth, people in the background doing something unrelated. Hmm. He liked layers of meaning. Um, and, and he would just always put them in and, and allow people to put them in. And that's what this show has. It has many, you know, lots of characters, lots of arcs, and lots of... Uh, 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 sort of uh, invisible meanings too. You know, it's, the layer effect is, I think, one of the great achievements here. We haven't done that uh, since since Jim really, mm. and, and Brian Henson too. I think Brian yeah. did. Yeah, I go back layer. to I just I, when we hit upon the the album, the photo album, and the record album, and that parallel. I just thought that like to pay that off, to have that work, would be a triumph. Zoot's pictures. Again, as we said before, having the pictures that he's been taking be a map to get us the money that we lost. Just, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, Dave, just off of what Dave was saying about Jim, something this is something that Dave told me a long time ago, was that everybody's opinions or ideas are valid. If you have a suggestion that those were welcome, not everything may get used. Now, maybe not everything works. Um but whenever we start something, I try and say that first to people, you know, when we're starting a, a project or on a set um, so that people feel like they're involved, they're included and they're a part of it. And I wish I could remember the moment, but one of those moments that I, I can't remember wh what episode, but our COVID, one of our COVID uh, specialists that was on set had a suggestion for a joke as we were doing a scene and there was something playing and the line didn't quite work. And he said, what if they were, you know, and I said, well, go tell them. And he went over and he gave the note and we used it. And I wish I remember what line it was, but I remember seeing he had such a, he felt so good, you know? And, uh, and I think that's what we tried to do is make people feel like they were a part of this. And, yeah. and they well, were, you know you what? Know? I, you're absolutely right, and it's more than making them feel like a part of it. It's mm. making them be a allowing allowing be a part. To be that's a part. what I meant. And this yes, is something Jim true. was noted for. You know, he was he was approachable. He didn't have a you know an inflated ego. He didn't have a you know a persona that he felt he had to maintain. Mm. He was accessible to everyone, so he could walk in the door, and the custodian would come up to him and say, "Hey, what if uh, Fozzie did such and such?" <laughs> Jim would stop and talk to him about it for like two, three minutes. And and they would elaborate on the idea and play around with it. And then Jim might end up using it or not. But the input was great. 
Yeah. You know, because it really helps. Yeah. It, it, and I always say the feeling in the room, I probably said this to you, Joe. I know you'll remind me. But <laughs> the feeling in the room gets on the screen. Yeah. And if you have a tense set, it it's reflected in the work that you do. You know? <laughs> yeah. When you have a really good, happy set with people contributing and having fun with it, it makes a difference. And working so hard. Everybody works so hard on our our projects and our shows, but they're they enjoy the challenge, you know. They really, they they just love it, even though they're working really hard. They just uh, they we all enjoy each other, you know. I love that. I feel like uh, uh, I've I've had a few jobs where I have not had that, and you know I think we can all say that you know it's a joy when you get to work on a set or at a job where you feel heard, you feel valued, uh, no matter what yeah. your station. Uh, and you know, for for you guys working, you know, at the at the top level of, of the creative, you never know where the, where the next good idea is going to come from, and you don't want to no, miss out know. on something just because someone didn't feel like they could be comfortable just talking to you about it. Yeah, like like yeah, in a restaurant, great. it's really important that everybody is happy. In really a restaurant, important. yeah. You know, you do not want the guy who's uh, plating to that's right for a grudge against one of the customers. Or the yeah. chef. You don't want the chef unhappy. No, because you know, say no more. Yeah. Um, but can I just, Jeff? Jeff, you were going to mention, uh, you were going to say about the car when Nora leaves the shack when she leaves before Animal gets upset and they tell Animal. Tell tell them about. The, yeah, it's a CG car. Um, I thought you were joking. You know, we, we sort of wrote. No. no, no, it's absolutely, and you see it no. parked in the driveway in another uh, shot. I think it's still, but um, we did not have a car, and we needed establishing shots of the house. And well, Nora's there, and it's not the van anymore. And fortunately, they did shoot the house without anything parked in front. And we're like, we do need her car there, and we do need it leaving. Leaving, yeah. And so our amazing VFX uh, team at Soapbox were just like, is this the car? Or they knew what the car was. And you can go to like a catalog and like, okay, and it's this color, and it's this beaten up. And then we go through, and you know, Bill and I are sticklers. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, they loved us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adam's like it looks great, and Bill and I are like. Mm. Wait, was that but, when Laura left? When Laura left the shack, drove yeah, up, that car speeding off, yeah, That's CG, yeah, That's CG. Oh car. my god, there's oh, a Nora. I was there's. It's funny because when I watched it, I thought I don't remember that car being out there. Yeah, but I, but I just dropped it. Yeah, Nora's in it. Nora's in the front. You can see part of Nora. <laughs> That's great. And her stuff. They put stuff in there, and then we talked about the puffs. Coming yeah. out of the tailpipe, like is it too much? At first, it looked like a little too much, and but it's need to feel like it's not in great shape because she has to break down. Totally. So it was a whole thing that Jeff and I kept. We just obsess at every point. Bill and I just like, you know, our attention to detail. We totally care, and it does make a difference. Yes, it you does. Can't have this moment where she's going off and she's heated up, and it's an emotional moment, and then it's cartoon smoke. You know, you just All like, right. you know. Um, yeah. Same thing in the sound design. When we got that, we're like, no, you can't. I love that you want to do this, but it's a serious moment. So I'm sure they were incredibly patient. Brooke and Nick and all those folks over there were incredibly patient. Yeah. They were amazing. Yep. So Animal has successfully gotten the band back together uh, because Nora is gone. But just to clarify, Nora is not dead. Uh, I think That's right. the the runner of of lips thinking that people are dead when they're not is throughout the series is hysterical. 
especially he's got his like little black outfit with the with the little parasol. I think that's good stuff. <laughs> and th that is our reshoot. Um, I think Adam referred to uh, a reshoot in uh, the first episode of podcast. Yeah. Um, this was our reshoot that we pleaded for. We just needed connective tissue. We had written this episode while we were shooting, and we sort of wrote ourselves into a hole, uh, a plot hole. And we saw this here is if there's and we were editing it and we're like, this does not work. Is there any chance we could do this reshoot? Muppet Studio stepped up and, you know, Bill and I each took a stab at trying to reorder, you know, just our in editing. Yeah. Is it can this work? It can, but it would be so much better if we could shoot the scene. And so we did. We wrote a scene, the three of us, and it was like two, two scenes. Oh, right. And then we had, but we spent a day and it was just a fantastic day just to go back yeah. at the end of this process to sit there yeah. as writers again, where we started to write the scene. And it was great. <laughs> like we just enjoyed the hell out of writing together. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. just came so easily. And then they're like, yeah, no, you are not getting this reshoot. And Adam, yeah. I think, turned inward and just <laughs> wouldn't heal and then bill's like which oh, is very yeah, uncharacteristic though very uncharacteristic very I mean, uncharacteristic. adam, adam bill was goes showing... like he goes yeah. at it you know and bill was saying hey well i did an edit maybe it works like this adam couldn't even watch it he was just like <laughs> that you know head down no eye contact okay yeah. I, I don't know yeah. um and then again muppets stepped up thank goodness and, oh um and then and i think they stepped up maybe three or four days before the actual shoot there was one available time it was going yeah. to be a Saturday, and I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, even something like that. They said, "Okay, we're giving you the money to do this." Um, you know, it's shot in front of plates, in front of digital uh, screens. Yeah, um, it Pre looks like pre-existing footage that we shot. Yeah, of the sh exterior of the shack, and then we grabbed another plate from somewhere else. But that was, you know, something we borrowed and put it in on a green screen. But it was crazy. I mean, we. We worked really, really hard. Ten was a tough one, and we reordered things, and um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And those two scenes, actually, I said green screen, but that's wrong. We shot on a virtual wall, an LED right. wall that digital backplate soapbox has. Uh, uh, it was so worked out great to be able. Right, to we use walked. That. It was a, a trip to walk in to soapbox, and all of a sudden you saw the shack. Yeah. I was like, oh, this would have been a lot easier. Uh, yeah, really. Don't, yeah. don't go there. Yeah. Do not go Dave there. loved <laughs> Dave loved Muppets Haunted Mansion. He loved. I was going to say that's how you filmed Haunted Mansion, right? Was on the virtual <laughs> the virtual background. You wanted to, right? Yeah. And another thing about episode ten is just that there's a lot of emotional payoffs. There you go. Mm. Keep it going, Dave. <laughs> I mean, really, I I just watched it and I found it so affecting. The big emotional payoff in this scene is the mayhem goes into the garage, which for some reason they had never bothered to look in uh, at the shack. Uh, and we will see in a moment, it's the electric mayhem bus, the original bus from the Muppet movie. Uh, I, I will jump ahead a little bit here because we're talking about it, but th this is not the actually the original bus. Is that correct? Because right. I, I feel like I read about there was a fire or something years ago. Yeah, caught on fire. Yeah. Zoot's fault. <laughs> what went into recreating the mayhem bus? Uh, I searched for some buses to find the right make and model and try and get close. I think we had three options. Um, two weren't as close. This was the closest we could get. It was the wrong year, but it had the similar windows, which I thought at least we could get away with that. And it also had, a, I think, a different grill. 
uh, on the front. Um, but it was close. I think it was two years off or something. Um, so we found that, I wish I could remember, I think in Oxnard or something. Um, and then uh, our amazing set people, Denise and, and everybody, they started painting it. We made sure that we got lips on there. Yeah, I noticed he that. wasn't his, on the his, original one. His name joined the, the back of yeah. the bus with everybody else. It was right. one of the things from the concept that we were just like, the bus has to come back. And our producer mm -hmm. was like, you sure you want the bus to come back? Like just <laughs> thinking financially and the amount of research and the amount of work. And yeah, no, the bus has to come back. I love the van, you know, but mm -hmm. I love the bus. Well, yeah. and also and also story-wise, right, Jeff? We we oh, wanted absolutely. we had to pay off where Zoot put the money. Totally. Right. So we, we needed the bus to come back because we wanted that to then be how they take go on the road, how they take go right. on it tour. happened in the yeah. 70s, you know, so it wasn't yeah. the van. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like, OK, it's going to be a lot of work. We're like, have fun. <laughs> um, they did an incredible job. I mean, it was just yeah, it was a crazy thing just to step out and just see the bus parked in our lot um, or just like at one point no one was there and it was just parked next to our building. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm standing here. And there's the bus. Um, this is unreal. And um, and sorry, I mean, well, I don't know. I won't jump. Uh, it, it it didn't run so well. Just, <laughs> we'll yeah. start we'll start there. But when we get to the end, I'll tell sure. you something. All right. Well, I mean, I I I agree with you. Like, you know, it's one thing to to come into the series, even as a casual Muppet fan fan, and saying like, "Wow, all my friends are back. You know, all the the mayhem characters are here." But the bus is is kind of a member of the band as well and to get that mm -hmm. emotional like oh my god the, the that guy is back too um i don't know mm -hmm. if any of you watched the last season of picard the star trek show but they brought back everyone from star trek the next generation it was very exciting sure. and then at the very end they bring back the original enterprise and like it didn't even occur to me that they would oh. you know have that like the set as a recurring uh, oh. a returning character but now that it's here, I recognize how important that is to me. And the, I felt very much the same way about the bus. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you, uh, you're watching other franchises? That... <laughs> yeah. What's up? What's up with that? Oh, yeah, Dave, I am a fan of so many stupid things. The Muppets is the only one I care enough about to, <laughs> to, to do a whole podcast. But we're the stupidest, right? We're the stupidest. You, you, and, Jeff should, uh, you and Jeff should have dinner. <laughs> I know. I can see, I Jeff, know. in the background, all your fun toys. And it's like, we should compare notes. You I know. got some snoths. Got manamana. You got snoths. Oh, snoths. By the way, everybody mispronounces it. No, no, no. Well, I have different ones. I have snoths. The audience can't see Jeff's office, but uh, every time we do a Zoom with Jeff, he's got every piece of pop culture merchandise that you can get, I think. Yeah. Crammed into his office. It's just everything is there. And if you look carefully, yeah. there's Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you can see what's in front of him, it's even is more it amazing. Waldo, is it Waldo Where's Waldo or Waldo the Muppet? Yeah, it's, can't it's Where's Waldo. It just became okay. a game. Oh, you're talking about my desk? Yes. I, I'm a, I'm a Lego maniac. Uh, so my desk is like two <laughs> Come tiers. Come on, show us. What? Show him. Okay. Show him. Um, this works yeah, just, really just well for us. audio. <laughs> um, it's from above. Oh, oh my God. So where these are all you, Lego minifigures. Where do you oh. put your papers? Or your phone uh, there's like two tiers but there's me <laughs> um <laughs> basically but they're all mini figures that legos would lego would never make or hasn't made like bill and ted or the beastie boys or omar from the wire or weird al or prince or you know uh tyler durden 
that's what I collect. Jeff, if, if this is what makes you happy, I'm I'm so glad for you. Thank you so much. Can you tell my wife that? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's great radio. Uh, totally. Yeah. And look at this giant hat I have with all this neon <laughs> and uh, the bubbles it's that blue. come out. It really wow. <laughs> and you're um, levitating. Amazing. It's amazing. Um yeah, we knew. Uh, Bill's uh, naked. Yeah. Bill, look at Bill's. He's naked now. Yeah. Put your shirt Wait, back look, on, I, Bill. I make my belly button say hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> can you make it say goodbye? Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> I can make my ear talk. What? Hi there. Is <laughs> everybody okay? Hey, it's Jimmy Ear. <laughs> I, you know, I keep meaning to make a mechanism so that I can have a thing in my pocket and make my ear talk. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> insane but also you would be the greatest puppeteer i've ever seen if you pull that off he is the greatest puppeteer. i would become my own puppet um Incredible. it was adam's idea to do uh the arrival of the bus a la mad max fury road right. i was gonna ask if that was a deliberate uh, uh reference because you know we got the big speakers yeah, and the yeah. animal on the roof with the drums yeah totally. yeah. yeah that's good stuff um, just playing that song loud that just uh when we hit that song uh uh yeah we played a bunch of different options, but that was the one right away. We just knew. Um, that was quite a ride, wasn't it, Dave? What we broke down. <laughs> <laughs> we were out in the desert somewhere. Where were we? There was a snake too, right? There was a rattlesnake. That was great. I think it was a sidewinder, actually, that rattlesnake. It was yeah, we yeah. all shooting. And all of us were on little low chairs and facing Nora and um, shooting this scene. And somebody said, snake. And we looked yeah. to our left, and about 15 feet away was a rattler heading for us. Just coming in. It was coming our way. Like, they don't do that. They go away from people. Yeah. But uh, I guess we were in the way. You know, he's going yeah. somewhere. He's probably going down. To, <laughs> and our snake. For groceries and, and thank goodness we have a handler out, you know, at these locations. But uh, he was just coming. He was like, excuse me. Pardon yeah. me. Coming through. And yeah. like the one place you don't want to be is to be like on the ground with a puppet. You know, you, you like you're literally on the floor. Your hands are occupied. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah uh, we got up quick. We got up. We got up very quick. Yeah, we all got up fast. <laughs> this this is true. Something just popped up in my head, which is just incredible luck. But the fact that Lips is doing his TED talk, we have him in all black. Then like we have him on the side of the road and he's wearing black. And then we do the gag that he thought Nora died and he's wearing black. And he has yeah. Yeah, we looked. Yeah, yeah, we told. What do you What do you think it means? It all sort of. What's up? Death. I said, what do you think it means? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just a cloud of death that hangs over. Yeah, (laughs) that's Lips's journey through season two. Is 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 even uh, our mistake worked? It was just meant to be. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so the band finds Nora. She's broken down on the the side of the road. Uh, as you say, they're playing a, a song as they as they drive up the road. Uh, it's joined together by the Who. Yeah, yeah. I want to give a quick shout out. Um, yeah, it's a great choice. Uh, we had an amazing uh, music supervisor, Kier Lehman, on this. Um, but this one was recommended by my friend Bobby Gum, who's a music supervisor in the world of trailers, um, award winning. And I was like, Bobby, we need a song for this moment, uh, and he gave uh, quite a few of them. Um, but this one, as I said before, just was absolutely right. Yeah. And, Ed and, and then the Steve idea just that put it together. Ed and Steve put together the song. Which was oh, great. yeah. The instrumentation yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. It's so great. Yeah. I mean, just Ed Mitchell and Steve Morrell. Yeah. Yep. You could hear it coming from the canyon away. 
it's just like the song is just so perfect for this moment, you know, and it's weird sounding like so she can look over Nora and just like cock an eyebrow and just be like, what is that? And the yeah. audience, too, is like, what is that? Very, very. Yeah. Cool. Great choice. Joe. Yeah. And uh, is it a deliberate reference to the Muppet movie that the Mayhem bus is coming to save someone who is their car is broken down on the side of a desert highway? No. I wouldn't say it was a yeah. deliberate reference. Well, no, it then just it's felt a like great the... coincidence that that happens yeah. in both the Muppet movie and and here. It's like Star Wars. It's a tone poem, and it all like parallels and uh, must have been in there somewhere, right? Yeah, maybe. sure. Yeah. yeah. Remember at one point, I I pitched the the like a tow truck that was going to come. It was like a, a Deus Ex Mechanics. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> That's funny. I I I had the sense when I watched the series that. Um, Lips was more understandable than he had been on set. Did he do a lot of uh, re-recording? We did re-recording to in certain instances to make him less understandable. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because some were too on the nose. Um, there are a couple that are in there that still, yeah, I guess we yeah, were I locked think. at that point of those uh, with those episodes. So, yeah, right. but if I was, if I could, and I'm sure Bill, you agree, yeah, you'd go back and make them a little less intelligible. Well, um, which is which is interesting because you know I mean Peter's for the first time doing this character so he's trying to find the balance of, of it all mm -hmm. uh so but but I, I know what you're saying Dave I mean I think on set it probably felt like it was more unintelligible but there are just some, felt, yeah but, but I think when it comes when you're in the end right finally you've got this edit and it's now you're really focused on the moments instead of what he was doing over and over for us I think like chrysanthemum is very clear to me. Right. When he, when, when teeth calls him a chrysanthemum. chrysanthemum. Uh, so there still are some that are very clear, but, but definitely, yeah. Like um, Jeff, sorry, not to just reiterate, but yeah, yeah we did have Peter uh, loosen it up on a few things that were too clear. Well, this, this line here is a good example because you can kind of hear the first half of his sentiment where he says, you change yourself for the better. And then it kind of drifts off into mumbles. Mm. But it, it also mm. seems important because Nora can understand lips for the first time. And they say, right. well, Zoot says, that's because you're one of us. You're family now, Dorothy, which is a cute line. And uh, yeah, yeah. I But I feel like we also, as the audience, are starting to hear a little bit, kind of bringing us like a, like a toehold <laughs> into the fold of being a member of the Electric Mayhem. That's good. That's nice. nice. Is that a nice is that a nice fan theory that you didn't intend at all? It's great. Uh, no, we didn't intend at all. And actually, and I think that's really sweet. Um, and and I love actually my favorite thing that Lip says is that he calls Nora Nobu. Oh, I just love that. That's cute. So funny to me. Yeah, that feels like a very really Pepe funny. thing, where you just you pick a well, you pick the wrong name and you stick to it. So I made so in my mind my my theory behind it is, and I have never asked Peter, but lips knows everybody right so to me lips is a is the hippest guy in this band he knows celebrities he hangs out in different great places cool places i think his favorite restaurant is nobu this very trendy chic kind of place now <laughs> yeah. and he calls nora nobu i don't know it's just my own little thing but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just love that uh dave did you ad lib the your family now dorothy that sounds no, that sounded oh, like an ad lib was dorothy written, line man. It was written and it was just perfect. It was so beautiful because it's it's the last word in the sentence and you and everything's going fine. And then you realize he's completely out of touch. 
<laughs> yeah. And I and I'll, love it. Yeah. It's a perfect line. And he all, you know, Zoot messes up some other names as well at times. He calls Moog different things. And yeah, more. Um, but I love the Dorothy reference because to me it feels like the Wizard of Oz here, where everybody's come back to her. Yeah. And it just feels appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's one of those layers. It's just so lovely about this. Hmm. So uh, next we cut straight to the Hollywood Bowl. The Mayhem made it. Uh, they are finishing the song Joined Together. Uh, and uh, this is actually not the first time the Muppets have been at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, in 1977, Big Bird conducted the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra there. That was the first time. Hmm. Uh, in 2006, Kermit, Piggy, Statler, and Waldorf appeared at an honoring of a conductor, uh, the conductor and founding director of the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. Um, they sang Fever and Being Green and I Got You, Babe. Uh, Dave, I assume you were there as Waldorf. I don't know if that's true or not. I was, yeah. And I was also yeah. helping out. Uh, I think I was helping with Piggy's arms and legs on the piano. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, and right. then uh, the big one was uh, in 2017. Uh, the Muppets did uh, the Muppets Take the Bowl, uh, in which it was basically like a, a live epic episode of The Muppet Show. Uh, and uh, the Mayhem did a mini set there. They sang Can You Picture That and Home and Suffragette City. Um, I was there. It was epic. I loved it. Uh, Jeff, were you there as well? Uh, yeah, I had bought tickets on StubHub um, and I was seeing them on Sunday night. And then I think I saw Matt tweet. He's like, getting ready to go on. I'm like, it's like 6.15. What's going on? And I look and the person from StubHub sent me the wrong tickets. Oh, they sent no. me the tickets for Saturday night. And I was thought I bought for Sunday night and I called StubHub and I'm like, what, and I, what's going on? What do I do? And they're like, you can come. We're not going to get you. We don't have the seats that you bought. Cause I bought as close as possible just because I wanted to watch these guys perform, you know, as puppeteers. And I just, they're like, so you're going to have to sit a little further back. And I was like, okay, but okay. And so we rush over because now it's in 45 minutes. Go to the Hollywood Bowl. We get over. As we're walking to our box, it was still a box seat, but it was, you know, further back. Um, I turned to my wife. I'm like, that's John Singleton. We're sitting in a box with two other people. <laughs> it's John Singleton, <laughs> director John Singleton and his daughter. Wow. Uh, we talked for a little bit because I came, I come from the world of trailers. I'd worked on a trailer of his years ago, talked about that. <laughs> and then it turns out he is the biggest Muppet fan in the world. Wow. Uh, so all of a sudden, like we'd be sitting there and Fozzie would come out on stage and he'd go, <laughs> it's great. He name. just loved it. And it was great. It was still terrific. I mean, oh, like wow. it was an amazing show. And then, yes, to see the band. And then now we're here. Amazing. This time it was almost as difficult for me to see them at the Hollywood Bowl. We had a lot of things that had to happen to make this yep. work. Tell me about that. Were there any? What were some of the challenges to get to shoot at the bowl? We couldn't shoot the at Hollywood the bowl. We couldn't shoot at the bowl. You didn't sh actually shoot at the bowl. Nope. Oh, pretty great, so, right? How do you like that. Wow. Them special soap effects, box, that's ladies and gentlemen. Big soap box. Soap box. Yeah. Wow. So what? So what we did was we shot. We shot all the performance on our stage, all the, as wide as we could get, and then shrinking it down when we needed to to make it fit the stage. It was but, on the last day. Yeah, last day. Um, but the the uh, the concert where you see all the people that was for um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was their concert. So 
our team was able to go. They allowed us to go film their audience. And we married in well, so Box did an amazing job putting us there, making it feel like we're really there. We were desperate to let, you know, some act let us shoot their audience, you know, and even their stage elements. But it also had to fit the mayhem. So, like, when we were going through the calendar, well, maybe this could work. Maybe this, well, Disney is actually doing something on this night. But it was just like a pianist. So what is the audience for that, you know? Ideally, you want a rock crowd. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then People. I think, Bill, you had a connection to Fogarty. Right. And it was the day before we realized that, like, we would have been able to shoot. Like, we just yeah. missed him. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they shot all these plates. They um, plates. They shot the concert. They shot the crowd. You know, I guess there were signs there. I hope there were signs there that said uh, you were going to be <laughs> part of this audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's uh, and then amazing visual effects work but you're cutting, you know, while we're editing, it's just these terrible comps of the band shrunk down over, like, which is these hard edges in front of Karen Owen, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's performing. Wow. I mean, that explains why there's no Mayhem t-shirts in the crowd. You would expect a few. Oh, no, no, there are. There are. People were wearing them. um, At at the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's concert? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll tell you, actually, this is a funny thing. Uh, by now, people have seen the show, so they know that we have Kevin Smith on the show, and we, they know we have Peter Jackson, two incredible directors. But in the audience of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs is Spike Jones. Yeah. No, <laughs> really? Yeah, because he, he dated uh, Karen O for a while, and they collaborated on the song from uh, her, and uh, so he was there. Wow. And he was wearing this bright red, like, uh, you know, James Dean Rebel Without a Crew, Rebel Without a Buzz. Clue jacket. And it was in the final like color mix we went through, and I'm like, you gotta take it down because all I see is Spike Jones. Yeah. And so now he's wearing a brown jacket in the middle of that uh, shot. <laughs> but he's shot still in the shot, there. like he's still on the show. Yeah. yeah. Great. Something all right, we're gonna, we we're gonna look out to for him. We got that? before we get off of the Hollywood Bowl, we have to mention Dr. Keith's performance in that scene it's where he's talking about Nora and introducing the song. And it, I, I will say that it is one of the finest moments of puppetry I've ever seen. <laughs> the acting, I mean, uh, seriously, the acting is when Teeth starts to lose it, that's just unbelievably good. Oh, it's baby. so real. We um, Bill just, and, and he did, he had to do many takes and he killed it every time. It was just so good. Well, you encouraged me. I, I was, uh, I was worried it was too much. Dave saying no 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 don't 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 think don't worry about it i feel really bad because you know we um in the editing room we have to do a lot of self-editing um we're constantly worried uh, about the length of the show if this works if this doesn't work um and and i think early on we're like okay well this is one of the pieces we're gonna cut down because we just have to get moving we have to get to this next song we were again we had a lot of trouble uh with this episode and um and bill like in the nicest bill way possible was just like and not ego at all just like can you just can you just take a look at this performance um well just, and, and if i just uh, interrupt but uh, yeah. i think i even because because the, the guy uh, jeff and adam and kevin are our, our editors and they would edit and then they were i would get, get to see what they did and then i would try and do the best I could, some notes and things on that. But Dave had said this to me. 
this was a while, you know, after now that David said this to me and I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so in my notes, I tried to say, if Dave is feeling this, can we look at it again? Can we see if this is something we should keep in there? And so I tried to send a little cut of it uh, to try it. And then we got to this place, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad it's in there because I think we needed that for Nora, oh, you know, and for to sell that. And for tea. It was so yeah. powerful. And it's, it's the hardest thing to do as a performer to, simulate that moment when you lose your breath you're you you you're so emotional that you start to break down and you try to recover instantly that, i don't know how bill did it honestly i mean well i do know how he did it because he told me but but i don't know how he pulled it off because it, it's just really hard to do and yet it happens to all of us yeah. you know you're overcome by emotion Hatching you it. these things happen to you and i've never seen that done with you know in the world of puppetry before and it was just profoundly meaningful, you know, just really, it just really pays off that show. Thanks. Dave. When Bill sent that email and it was just, you know, Dave thought this, you know, so consider it. We, we just didn't know who Dave was. We were going to do I just, uh, okay. Um, Some guy, Dave. All right, Dave. You know, I, uh, I mean, I completely agree. I, I had a lot of comments about this as well in my notes about the, power of this of this moment you know i think it's especially difficult for a character that we generally know as being someone who's just he's just loud and uh, and a little bit chaotic and a little bit two-dimensional i know we've added a lot of three third dimension in this show but you know we like we have we're not used to that and to see them have that kind of reaction uh not only is it doubly powerful because of that but i think it makes it doubly hard to pull off and I think you did that incredibly well, Bill. Um, I want to say one more thing, though, uh, and it yeah. sounds trite because I've said it before. So Bill's heard it before. But, you know, again, it is his hand and it's his voice, but it is his heart. Yeah. And yes. So much of this show is Bill's heart. Um, Stop it. Just, you it makes me. all the difference in the world. I, you know. <laughs> and I made him do it. But it's no, just no, 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 do that thing where you where you start to say something and you break up. It catches this. Shut up. Choke up um it, you know, like I shy away from things. I uh I'm a cynic. Uh and but Bill was always like, I think we should go there. And I think it makes a difference to do this. And it's important to me. And uh and then he does it, or we try it, and it's just it's there. I mean it and it totally it absolutely makes a difference. Um, in our scenes, in our performances, in our believability, and I think in our audience's reaction, that's proof of it. You you know, the people, you know, yes, the Muppets, they made me laugh. I enjoy their songs, but I didn't expect to feel as much. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah. But you think about the history of the Muppets and you think about Gonzo doing absolutely. song. Absolutely. You think, about, you think about Kermit singing Rainbow Connect, you know, all these songs. There's heart in the Muppets from, from the very beginning, and that's always what i've i think been drawn to the most is when because you can of course zaniness and fun and jokes yeah. and the comedy is very right classic amazing stuff but then the heart <laughs> to see these inanimate objects think and feel uh that's when it that's when I, that's what i want to believe in yeah you know? and it's 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 tougher with this group you know um because they're not necessarily known for that. 
I, I want to also kind of point out, like, it, it's, I agree with you, Bill, it's incredibly important and it's such a, a part of the the backbone of the Muppets, but it, mm-hmm. th- that doesn't mean it's always done incredibly well it's, or, or so effectively because sometimes it comes across as schmaltzy or, um, uh, I don't know, it just in some way ineffective of like, like, well, the Muppets mm-hmm. have to have heart, so we put heart into it and you can't just put heart into a thing mm-hmm. and have it be effective. Um, but true. this felt earned. Uh, you know, he's talking about Nora. He's also, we, we, we just saw his parents again. We, and we're reminded of the whole storyline of like him reconnecting with his parents and his parents are here at their first mayhem show and they're decked out in mm-hmm. mayhem shirts and buttons. And, you know, his mom's got the microphone earrings and all that. Like they're, they're all in for their son and that's really touching as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not just, I don't know. Like boy, we sure do like Christmas, and there's heart in that. It's this is this is earned. This is Doctor T's story, uh, and but your performance on top of that—that's a that's Chef's kiss right there. You know, I did an interview with uh, Frank Oz about Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas a couple of years ago, hmm. and one of the things that Frank said was that with that piece, Jim had the courage to be sweet to do something really sweet mm. and heartfelt. And it remains certainly one of, one of my top favorites of all time because of that. Yep. But it's a good thing to, to make note of that, you know, you have, you have to have courage to try to, to try to pull real emotion off. Yeah. And and, when it works, it's just incredible. And I think that's it too, Dave. Maybe it's just that it is, re- you know, it's real, you know, and, and that's what, that's what came, came out of for me, at least in that moment. It's a mm-hmm. real feeling based on real feelings that I have about that type of situation. So maybe yeah. it's just about things coming together, you know, at the right time. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's nice. Well, also there, uh, in addition to Dr. T's parents, uh, it's Statler and Waldorf, our our only other real established uh, Muppet characters outside of the mayhem, uh, are yes. are in the audience of the Hollywood Bowl, uh, and they're of course booing the uh, mayhem. Um, but it's not their seats. They are led away, uh, because they don't belong in the show. <laughs> um, and that, that Statler and Waldorf joke couplet is written by Jim Lewis. Oh, really? Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I asked Jim if he had some Statler and Waldorf jokes he could throw at us. Here's the situation. Here's, you know, what we're looking for. And he gave us like four options. And that was the one. Terrific. It's great. Uh, why uh, are Statler and Waldorf the only ones to be given this honor of of being the only named Muppets in a, uh, a Mayhem show? Who else would heckle? <laughs> well, I mean, you could have thrown Kermit in there. You could have given Gonzo a, a cameo. You you had options, but you chose Statler and Waldorf. We did have a version. We did have that thought. Yeah. We thought we'd, we talked about having Kermit and Piggy uh, in another box, uh, but don't give um, the audience what they want. Give the audience what they didn't yeah. know they wanted. Yeah. Um, it felt too convenient. And we talked at many other points of Muppets showing up, but we wanted this to be about the band. They certainly weren't going to, the Muppets, Kermit and the gang weren't going to save the band. That just seemed, the band had to do it. This is their story. Um, yeah. that That's a good point that I hadn't thought of, that if Kermit was there and the band were going through something, where where was he this whole time? And we don't we yeah. don't ask that question because we don't see him. Right. Uh, I mean, no, that that works. Yeah. Yeah. We had we had 
we had talked about versions of where he shows up backstage with everybody and the bus and congratulating him. Yeah. All kinds of stuff like that. But it was just um just ultimately didn't feel right. It felt like a different story. And maybe it's a second season thing, you yeah. know. Honestly, I love I love the fact that you didn't put him in there. I think I I think it would yeah. be cheap to put him even in the second season just because the mayhem deserves this spotlight. And Kermit is a magnet for a spotlight, you know. Uh, yeah. It would be mm. a shame to take that attention away from the band just because we but all th- love Kermit so much. I think if it's motivated, right yeah, I think if it's motivated or it's organic to what's happening in the scene or the story, I, it doesn't bother me that way. When it's kind of just voluntarily or randomly tossed in for the sake of saying we have more Muppets in this thing. Hey, you had a great that show. To me, you know yeah, yeah that that to me feels false but um i think in a second season if something's motivated and you're stumbling upon a character here or there you know yeah. i think that can be fun sure yeah uh i would love that i would uh, i mean not maybe kermit but like any and many people just completely show up <laughs> i mean well, just anyone i mean like like you did with satin or waldorf here like if right rolf the dog yeah. was you know did had a little walk by new zealand happens to be near you know something like that it doesn't have to be full of Muppets. Yeah. It doesn't have to be even top tier Muppets, but just a little, a little taste for the fans. Yep. Sure. Uh, so back at the record store, we get our first glimpse at the Electric Mayhem album cover. Uh, and it's the real album art, which is pretty cool. Like this, this is like the, the debut of the album, uh, which I love. It was um, the, the, the band uh, was looking at a green uh, square. I wondered. I wondered shot. how far in advance yeah. this was. This was set up. It was yeah. dropped yeah. in. It's a VFX shot. We were doing VFX until March, maybe even early April. Wow. I think we were done by April. Um, but you know, the art for the album was happening, obviously late in the game, just you know, months ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and we dropped it in. I think for a while it was just some terrible mock-up that I made. It was in a cut. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to see that now. <laughs> The VFX, they put kind of a plastic coat on it and made it look like it was in a sleeve, you know. Yeah, that's cool. I, I also just have to mention how much I love that album art. I think it looks so good. It looks like a real album. Mm. It's not just like a shot, like a picture from the show. It's not just the Muppets Mayhem logo. Like it's a oh, great yeah, it's Matt Taylor. Yeah. Matt, Matt Taylor, Taylor is the artist. Yeah. Uh, he is fantastic. He does a lot of stuff with Mondo. He does a lot of Marvel art. He does a lot of Disney art. Um, but we sent over a list of artists that we would love to, you know, for them to consider to do this album, to feel like it's album art, you know, and not Muppet clip art or photographs that, you know, you've um, seen or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty that, cool. that's something that Great. we notice. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so Nora says now that there's an album to promote, they have an actual reason to go on tour, uh, and they're heading out the door. It was was your original intention that this season would end with a tour or is this just kind of a nod toward what we might be seeing in season two both or are you not able to comment <laughs> on that <laughs> no what, what do you mean that we would see them go on tour in this season uh, i'm saying would would uh, 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 the two things i'm asking are is this leading to a season two where we're going to be seeing them on tour or is this was this season supposed to come out and then like go to fandango oh, oh, real life might be coming to your town yeah um, I don't think we considered that they would for real be going on tour. That's outside of our, as writers, jurisdiction. Sure. To say, oh, by the way, Muppet Studios, this is what you guys are doing this summer. <laughs> hey, um, look, other writers have attempted stuff like that. 
So you could have tried. It's a, it's a great yeah. idea. I mean, look, honestly, sure. Absolutely. We would love for there to be a tour. I wanted them to build up to the show just to have like a bunch of gigs, um, you know, and show a couple of episodes leading up. I thought that would have been amazing. Um, but... And I think if, if they go on tour in a second season, I think we left it because the bus breaks down that we have the option of deciding, depending on what we have to, you know, what, what realistically may need to right play out right so we just yeah. don't know yet yeah and we're not allowed to think about it you're not That's allowed right. to think because about the story. okay oh right about season two my brain is fair enough uh i will not ask you any questions about things you've not written yet um <laughs> on the bus uh Moog is pointing out all the photographs that are all on the ceiling. Uh, as we mentioned, there's this whole treasure hunt thing of, you know, following the clues. Uh, but Zoot uh, uh, is looking at, you know, the birthday cake that he got once. And I remember that grilled cheese sandwich. Here's the band taking Manhattan. That's a great little little reference to Muppet Manhattan. Uh, and here's Penny giving us our cash advance. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not Zoot's birthday cake. <laughs> Whose birthday cake was that? You you're gonna you have to look and see whose name is on the cake. Oh, do you need me to go back and zoom in and enhance? His name is almost on the cake. <laughs> almost on the cake. Are you gonna make me look, or are you gonna are you gonna reveal it for our our listeners? You don't have to scroll through now, but um, listeners, enjoy the the look. Okay, yeah. fair um, enough. Can't wait to find out whose cake that is, and what flavor. <laughs> it this is the stuff you love, right? You want a little, yeah. Right? Okay. All right, yeah. I mean, I wanted to reveal all the Easter eggs, but we're gonna leave some for for people to find on their own, and that's okay. all these Polaroids. Yeah. You know, this was again, this was post Polaroids. This was Bill and I just sort of going through our pictures. We did a shoot where uh, Zoot or Dave, you could tell us about the shoot. <laughs> Remember doing that shoot where it was uh, you with the teller getting the check, the money bags. Um, we shot it in our office. Yeah, it was actually in the entrance to the building. Yeah, the which lobby. is the Dunder Mifflin uh, elevator uh, area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got that and we sort of changed it around. And then I think I wound up making it in Photoshop. So like it's actually Penny because he says it's Penny. This one Penny gave me the money. Mm -hmm. So I was taking a picture of Penny and then adding and, you know, and then making it a Zoot picture somehow, even though he's in it. But Zoot's surreal. So. <laughs> he, Zoot invented the selfie. As we all know, yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's great. Yeah, and also it makes sense that there's multiple pictures uh, to tell that story because in episode one they talk about cutting a check to Mister Zutowski, and here right. he's accepting cash. So we got to figure out how that he cash the check became cash. Yeah. I mean, like we kind of figured that sounds boring for a Muppet show. So yeah, we could just fill in those blanks ourselves. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Teeth, he looks directly down the barrel of the camera. He says, we're taking the show on the road. Uh, I, I hope that means that that's what we're going to be seeing in season two. I hope that means we're getting a season two. Uh, and, uh, as they attempt to drive off before they break down, uh, we hear the song on our way, which is another original song for the show, uh, appears on the soundtrack. You can listen to the whole thing there. Uh, and that's pretty much where the episode ends with the exception of the zoot tag at the end. Uh, in which Zoot takes a picture of the audience, says this one's for Kermit. That is our only mention of Kermit the Frog in this entire show. That is true. Uh, yeah. Right there. Uh, and that's the end of Muppets Mayhem. We did it. We made it to the end of this uh, show and the end of this podcast. That mention was, I think, uh, Lee or David Lightbody from Muppet from Studios Muppets. suggested that we mention Kermit there if we could. 
you know uh, can we find a way of getting that in there right so dave that you helps. adr'd that right i think yeah. so yeah yeah we went back and asked them to redo and the then ADR the uh, the zoot tags. Those are all from. Was that the last day of shooting? No. No. What? Oh, I yeah. He was. was shooting while we were doing uh, the concert stuff. Yeah, that was happening over there. Then it was like the yeah. VCR, VHS inserts, and zoot tags. That was on the yeah. reshoot day, right? No, 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 no. It wasn't a reshoot day. It was our concert. It was while we were doing the bowl stuff. Yeah. We were shooting over there. You were shooting your stuff before you had to come and do your Hollywood Bowl stuff. How many of those did you film, do you think, of those zoot tags? I mean, are are we talking like we did 12 and cut them down or we did 50 of them and cut it down to 10? Yeah, I think we scripted 10 of them. I think we got 12 to 15 back. Mm. Um five of which were better than ours, you know? Sure. And uh, yeah, we used them. I mean, they're great. I just, I see sparklies. Um, just... I feel like this This felt like those old um, Muppet Show uh, teasers that they used to, that you guys used to do where you would, you know, do a little mm-hmm. five second bit before, um, the you know, here's what's coming up on the next episode of the Muppet Show thing. Uh, mm-hmm. In that, like, they felt ad-libbed. It felt like, David was just you in front of the camera going, I don't know, I'll just get up there and say something funny. And obviously it's not true. You just said you, you scripted them. That's the magic of Dave Goals. I think Bill and I were doing that together. I think he was suggesting things too, but I can't remember really well. I think you were winging them. You were just coming up with stuff. Well, one, you know, to, to go back to something that you said earlier about uh, soliciting ideas from everybody and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, when we were at Descanso Gardens shooting the Zoot Gallery and the For Shirleyans, uh, Bill was saying that uh, I was wondering where you were because that you had to go to that to the harbor to go to the Queen Mary that day. And well, no, I had was... to I had to go record our song that we were shooting the next morning. Yeah. So I came so back later. We were, that day we were we didn't really have a lot of people around to help us with um, writing and stuff. And for some reason, when Zoot left the gallery. Um, I can't remember how it was written, but Rob Cohen, who's a very sweet soul, was one of our directors. He he, uh, he sort of brought up the idea. I think he brought up the idea of getting Jimmy in there. And, uh, and so we just kind of worked out this little bit and there was nobody to ask. So we did whatever was scripted. And then we just made this other ending where Jimmy says, Let's, what are you waiting for? Let's go. And it was really nice because it sort of wraps out the season with the shoe. Yeah. And, and also uh, just, yeah. You know, but it's a it's a case in point where uh, the business is a lot less flexible now than it used to be. There are, there are layers and layers of approvals that you have to get when you're working for these big companies. Used to be, we would just wing things. We would just make it up and do it. We would hmm. do what was scripted, but we would add other extra things. And it just gave, you know, some choices in the end. And this was a nice little example that day. There was nobody around to ask, so we just did it, you know? Yeah. And worked out. That's great. But that's, you know, one one last little addendum, then I want to hear what Jeff said. But like this, it's like jazz. It's like improvisational jazz. You know, when everything's working and all the characters are there and everybody around is making suggestions, Hmm. when we can work loose like that, we get really great stuff. And uh, that was an example of that. 
No, I just love that he yanks you off screen. Um, yeah. It's just like, I mean, that's what you want on television. You want movement, you know, and it's also going to take you to the next moment. I guess we do hold on to Animal for a bit, but just like, yeah, you want to be pulled in a direction. We're moving the story along physically. You want to yeah. see that, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm really glad because Rob suggested that. The director yep. suggested doing something and we just kind of worked out something to do <laughs> that would give it some animation at the end. It was for Adam and myself, you know, because we weren't there as much, because we were writing half the time, like to get into the editing room and see these things, see these moments that we, you know, these choices, these things that you guys ad lib that, you know, some, it's just, it was the best. It was such a gift for us. Um, oh, more often than not, with like, you know, we're sitting there like, that was better. Yeah. And we that. should say something, we should say something about the directors too, because we had three directors. Yeah. And they were just really, each one was strong in a different way. It was really, really fun to work with all of them. Yep. We yeah. had Matt Sohn, we had Rob Cohn, who you mentioned, and yeah. Kimmy Gatewood. Kimmy Gatewood. Yeah. Directed two of them. You know, Matt Sohn, we've worked with before. He's he's totally committed. He's just there 100%. and really fun to work with. And then Kimmy came in, and she was new. I hadn't worked with her before, but right. uh, she and her uh, first AD had never worked with Andrea. each other before, but they they came in, they were like a laugh machine. Oh, yeah, they were great. All That's what you want as an audience. <laughs> They were an audience and they were they were having so much fun doing the work that it kind of gave us a boost of energy. You know, right. it's one more example of how the feeling in the room gets on the screen. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I, I wanted to say one thing just about the last when the bus breaks down. Mm -hmm. um, we couldn't do any more takes because the bus broke down. So we actually <laughs> it actually broke down in real life. We actually broke down. We could only that right. was as far as we could go. We got we got what we could get. It's perfect. And so you use it. Yeah, we used it. It's the truth. Yeah. yeah. What's funnier than the truth? Truth is everything. That is true. Well, gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to each of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, um, Bill and Jeff, for joining me for so much of this podcast. It was such a treat to have you here. Dave, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to talk about soap bottles. Uh, anytime. Yeah. I was wondering, did I mention the soap bottle this time? I forgot. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the soap was, bottle. It was really good. It was really great. I'm still thinking about it. Well, uh, and thank you guys again for putting together such a great season of television. I really loved Muppets Mayhem. I am keeping my fingers crossed that there's a season two coming, uh, or at the very least, more from this creative team with the Muppets. Uh, because I think you guys really nailed it, and I think you've made something really special. So thank you for that. Thank and you. Thanks. And everyone else, we will see you next time here on the Tough Picks Podcast channel. The Muppets Mayhem Backstage Pass is brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Produced, written, and hosted by Joe Hennis. Logo art by Dave Hultine Jr. The Muppets Mayhem mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Muppets Studio. All rights reserved. Transcriptions provided by Katie Lynn Miller. The Muppets Mayhem end credits written by Mick Giacchino is used with permission. Special thanks to the Muppets Studio, Disney Plus, and the entire Muppets Mayhem family. For more from Tough Pigs, find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Thanks for listening, and until next time, rock on! Sorry, I lost my place now because we're talking about Jimmy Shoe now. Oh, you're not um, very good at this. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like I've never edited this. We're on episode 10. You feel like you would have learned. Jesus. By now. Yeah, really. Oh, geez. You'll, uh, you'll leave all of our stupid stuff in, but you'll, you'll save yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, have, you have no idea.
you'll get the scissors in, you'll chop it out. You'll chop yeah. out all your mistakes. But yeah. we are idiots and here we are. We have to sound stupid. I mean, we're not going to this anyway. Where, it's fine. Where was that part of the show where... Yeah, just me for four minutes. <laughs> <laughs>